Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Wednesday, October 18th. Bob Cam, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take your phone calls in this hour at 1115-602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. Uh, we'll do that, as I mentioned, around 1115. But first, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Following yesterday's Diamondbacks loss to the Phillies, the Phillies are now up in the Series 2-0. Will the D-backs be swept by the Phillies? No continues to lead the way here at 60% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 40% of vote. We will officially provide our answer around 1130, so still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Flipping it on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, uh, there's a huge contest taking place Saturday morning from Columbus. Bob had a conversation in the 9 o'clock hour with Dylan Callahan Crowley from Happy Valley Insider uh, talking all things Penn State football and this matchup between Ohio State and Penn State. If you missed it, podcast it, KDUS1060.com as well as the KDUS1060 app. But here's the question, who wins Saturday, Penn State or Ohio State? The match is unable to make a decision right now still in a 50 50 split so we will also answer that question around um 11 or 11 30 today if you missed it from earlier the arizona cardinals have made some news here in terms of two of their more important players that would be Buda Baker as well as uh, quarterback Kyler Murray and Buda Baker has been designated off of IR in addition to that Kyler Murray has been activated off of the pup list both players have their windows open so that's 21 days for them from now to get themselves back onto the active roster so that does not guarantee that they are going to play this Sunday uh, it just means that the window is now open for them to start practicing with the team and getting themselves ready to go for when they are ready to take the field. Yeah, a couple things. I think they're a little different. Uh, my opinion's a little different on both of these guys. The Murray thing, uh, which I've said for months, is that the best thing that could happen to the Cardinals this season is if he proves, come back and play sometime this season and proves he's good enough that a team will trade for him uh, at the end of the season. Unfortunately, the difference there is for Baker is that you know, I think the best thing that could have happened to the Cardinals regarding Baker this season, and maybe for Baker, remember he wanted to be traded earlier this calendar year at one point, uh, but uh, the fact that he was injured before the trade deadline and I don't think he's going to be able to get back on the field and do much in the next two weeks, I would imagine, or prove that it, uh, team would want to trade for him. I think they would maybe want to trade for him. But what kind of value would the Cardinals get in return if he's not on the field for a couple of games to show he's back? 
Uh, so conveniently, offensive coordinator Drew Petzing was asked about Kyler Murray as well as defensive coordinator Nick Rollis asked about Buda Baker. So uh, let's get into some of those comments here and takeaways from the coordinators when it comes to Petzing talking about uh, Kyler Murray. The question was specific to how do you balance uh, Kyler coming back? And, and it's a situation with Kyler where he didn't have training camp. He didn't have OTAs because he was recovering from ACL surgery. So he didn't have that work with the group. He didn't have that uh, practical work with the new playbook, etc. So how do you balance getting him the necessary work that he needs uh, to, to see where he's at physically in his uh, bout to return in addition to continuing to game prep with Josh Dobbs as he likely is still going to be the starter until Kyler is ready to go obviously and likely being the starter here this week so the question here is uh when kyler does come back how do you get him the work that he needs to get ready while also getting the work in for josh so the answer from offensive coordinator drew petting it is a unique task something we knew at some point we would be uh dealing with something we dealt with last year in cleveland that's where petting was with um deshaun watson's 11 game suspension We have a plan in place collectively from him to the training staff, to the coaches, to make sure he is getting as much for as humanly allowed within the rules so that when he does step back out on the field, he's ready to go. I think that's a fair answer. Um, But when Murray's ready to play, he needs to play uh, immediately. Uh, You know, ready to play and, you know, cleared to play are completely different things in my opinion. Uh, so, I mean, ready to play. He has to be the starting quarterback because Josh Dobbs is not the best quarterback on the roster at that point. And it's not like I'm the biggest champion of Kyler Murray. But you know, when he's healthy and Josh Dobbs is healthy, there's no question that Murray is a better quarterback. Some more from offensive coordinator Drew Petting here. Uh, How did the running back by committee do last Sunday? His response, I thought they did some nice things. As always, there's going to be a cut or a run that they want back. But I thought as a whole, they handled the game plan really well. Thought they played effort and energy was really good. So I think that's a week-to-week decision and in the flow of the game, who has the hot hand and how we are doing. But happy with where we're at and going to continue moving forward in that direction. Obviously, this is all stemming from James Conner being put on IR. Yeah, translation for me at least is uh, there, all these guys are mediocre at best and James Conner is not playing. It's a massive drop-off. There were three trips to the red zone for the Arizona Cardinals against the Rams and no touchdowns to show for it. It also seemed to be an epidemic across the league in uh, red zone production for week five. Uh, when it comes, or for week six, we're in week seven already. Week six. So what did Drew Petzing see re-watching the film? He says here, I think it's a combination of scheme and execution as it generally is. Things as I watched, thought, wish I could have called this instead of that. Hey, they went this way and we went that that way and they kind of had some good stuff down there and there are certainly other plays where I feel like we had the right thing called and we have to be a little cleaner here communicate better there so certainly spent a lot of time over the last 48 hours drilling that down and make sure we're trying to fix these issues obviously three trips to the red zone have to come away with more points than that yeah and this was all to me almost an all Josh Dobbs thing he was awful 
uh, and a couple of his worst plays were in the red zone when they could have scored touchdowns. Uh, so I think that uh, that's the bottom line with that, in my opinion, is that uh, the quarterback was woefully inaccurate, really the last two games, but probably more so in the last game than uh, uh, the uh, the previous home game against the Bengals, against the Rams. Yeah, obviously he missed a couple of opportunities. He, he has uh, maybe you can check this out for me, Kayla, but I actually heard yesterday in a podcast that he has the worst deep throwing percentage of anybody in the NFL now, Mr. Dobbs does. Give me uh, a minute remember, to look at that. I, I, can, I can only remember one completion down the field, and that was against Dallas, right? So that was the, the wide-open Michael Wilson one, right? Correct. That's the only one I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, because he missed Hollywood Brown in the Bengals game. That would have been a huge play. And he missed him twice in the game against the Rams. That would have been, you know, one for a touchdown for sure. And he missed him another time too. So, you know, that's those, you know, two opportunities there. So I will have to drill this down because he currently is at uh, 5.5 completed air yards, but I would be curious to know what it is if I can isolate it to, okay. you know, the last couple of weeks, right? So if you just take well, a look at... Well, this at- wasn't an air yards thing. This was the most complete, the pe- pe- completion percentage down the field, however they determined gotcha. down the field. He had the low- lowest in the NFL, according to the athletic podcast I listened to a couple of days ago. Fair enough. Uh, some more takeaways here from Drew petting as we continue the conversation about josh dobbs the question here was that uh, joshua dobbs's last two games is it the defense ca- defense is catching up or a couple of rough games how would you assess that and his particular play petting says i think it's a little bit of everything the more you put on tape in this league nobody is perfect so you're going to have things in your game that you're not as good at as other people and vice versa and when defenses start to see that they're certainly going to change the way they attack you and put you in that position as often as possible which is why it's so important individually and collectively we work on our weaknesses some of it is just the way the game came up just being a little bit off here or there all in all the operation was clean and we have to figure out what is that issue and how do i how do i identify it and fix it moving forward the uh, the issue, and I keep harping, harping on this, but it's not my fault that the quarterback's been accurate, inaccurate for two games. But you know, there's a reason that this guy's been on three teams in less than a calendar year, and I think a lot of the, the not, if not not a lot, but I think the major thing that was a big question about him uh, in his college and pro career is accuracy. Well. Next question was asked to uh, Drew Petting there about what do you see? Is there an overall issue with Joshua Dobbs' accuracy or is it the flow of the game? His response, I think it's the flow of the game. It's a small sample size and you miss one in a critical moment. It can get blown out of proportion. We'd love to miss none of them. I think he's continuing to work on it, something he always strives to be better at in all areas. So not something I'm concerned about. I think he should be concerned about it. <laughs> I, I think that's probably an appropriate answer there from your offensive coordinator in that particular situation. You don't want to be tearing no. down your quarterback in that moment. Uh, but I, I think what we see is what we see, right? Agreed. And uh, this coaching staff, with the exception of Rogers, the special teams coach, uh, you know, they are, you know, they, to my knowledge, I haven't listened to every word that these guys have said since the season started. I've come pretty close to that. I think that they, you know, they've done a nice job. They're not, certainly not throwing their players under the bus. 
but also I think that uh, more times than not that they you know stick up for the player and just uh, you know there's hardly any coaches unless you're Sean Payton I guess or whoever uh, is going to say my players suck or this guy isn't good or whatever. Uh, but let's face it, they have very low talent on this team on both sides of the ball. And a uh, thing that also contributed to Sunday is that they couldn't block not just Aaron Donald. They couldn't block the front you know, front four or five guys. Uh, the Rams, I don't, they rarely even blitz to my recollection. Uh, but if he can't block, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. So we flip this to the defensive coordinator side of things. And uh, Nick Rollis was asked about Buda Baker and how much will it help to have Buda Baker back? Uh, Nick Rollis said Buda covers a lot of ground on the field, whether things don't go right because of scheme, because of execution. He's kind of an eliminator. He can get the ball down. He can take the ball away. We talk about high motor and violence make up for poor scheme or poor execution by other people. And he does a really good job of doing that because he plays extremely hard, extremely high effort all the time. He's fast. He plays with very good technique, tackles really well. There's definitely an element where when he's on the field, he can eliminate eliminate a lot of mistakes with just how he plays yeah i think we all kind of uh, well i don't know about everybody but i've certainly determined and i think this is kind of the uh, popular opinion now is baker in his best days is best utilized hanging around the line of scrimmage and he's been much better as a either blitzer which he seems to have a real instinctive thing for or stopping running plays and he is covering so the thing that caught my attention yesterday uh, was the news that the Cardinals had waived linebacker Myge Sanders. Myge Sanders, of course, was a third-round pick back in 2022. But what sparked my curiosity about this is we know this is a whole new uh no whole new staff a whole new front office so they're going to come in do things their way uh change players positions etc so it's not going to uh be fixed completely overnight but i was just kind of curious when you're looking at what teams are having success right now it's usually a lot of foundational pieces starting from just a couple of years ago in the draft how they're progressing uh and in and, and learning in the NFL, being a part of the consistent scheme and, and being now a contributor here in like year three, year four. So I wanted to look back to see how things have gone for this team and where we kind of maybe expect it to go when you're looking at how things have transpired from the 2020 draft, 2021 and 2022. And it, this is going to be dismal. <laughs> it's not good. No. Uh, so the 2020 class here, the first round pick, we know what happened here with Isaiah Simmons and he was traded uh, before the season got started so Isaiah Simmons first round pick not on the roster they didn't have a second round pick so you jump to the third round Josh Jones he's not on the roster fourth round pick lucky foe two he is on the roster but we had a conversation from training camp and and kind of looking at the preseason games about whether or not he was going to make the roster so kind of a bubble type player uh curious to see what happens in the offseason with him fourth time out about him let's talk about him he got demolished on sunday uh in the second half of that game you know they even isolated a couple of the plays and he just got run right over uh, when the Rams were getting all those rushing yards in the second half. And, you know, he's – I never really thought he was he, – has he had a good moment when he's been here? I mean, he's just been kind of there. 
And unfortunately, you know, he has to play because they've lost, you know, some of their frontline defensive linemen who were you know, either not coming back this season because of injury or we don't know when they're coming back. Fourth rounder, Richard Lawrence. He is not on the roster. Uh, wow. Forgot about him. <laughs> sixth rounder, Evan Weaver, not on the roster. Seventh rounder, Eno Benjamin. Ooh, really forgot about him. <laughs> not you know, on the he, roster. He, the Weaver thing was a joke to start with. I mean, he was a guy that got a, played at Cal and got like a thousand tackles in college. God bless him. But anybody that thought that he was going to be an NFL player, and obviously Steve Kime think he thought he was, that was a joke. I mean, that would. I remember the you know the day after we came back from the uh, the, f- the first show we had after the draft that year. I just what what are they thinking here? And that guy never had a chance. So that, by my count, that is one player remaining on the roster from the 2020 draft. 2021, uh, first-round pick Zavin Collins, he's on the roster. But if you look at what's going on with Zavin here, he's been moved from inside linebacker to pass rusher. So clearly trying to find a better fit for him uh, on this team. No doubt. And I think he's uh, pretty much... uh... You know, one-dimensional guy, and I'm not sure he's really good at that one-dimensional this the, the dimension. This is a uh, this is saying something, but this might be the worst first-round pick other than Josh Rosen in the entire Steve Com era. I didn't like it at the time. I didn't understand. I was shocked when they drafted him as early as they did, and he's done pretty much nothing to impress me for two years. Second round pick, Rondell Moore, he's on the roster, and he's had a really nice start to the season in the way that Petsing has been and utilizing him in the offense. Absolutely. When healthy, he can certainly be effective. Uh, Ohio State played Purdue last week, so they showed the Big Ten Network, the Rondell Moore game. (laughs) when He was a freshman at Purdue and destroyed what was at that time considered to be a good Ohio State defense. And uh, single-handedly won that game and cost Ohio State a playoff berth that year. Uh, and he's, uh, unfortunately for him, got injured his last couple years at Purdue after that uh, freshman season. And has, you know, been on the field some, but not always uh, as a Cardinal. I think that Petsing's done a really good job uh, of utilizing him and not overusing him. I think it would be easy to one overuse him because he has spectacular play potential every time he touches the ball. Uh, the fourth round pick, there was no third rounder in 2021. Fourth round pick, Marco Wilson. He is on the roster. He is. Um, you know, the Cardinals have had a, you know, used to be for years, who's the opposite corner next to Patrick Peterson? It was like a. You know, you know, a daily training camp question for like half a decade. <laughs> and now it's, do they have any decent cornerbacks? And the answer to that, in my opinion, is no. Sixth rounder here, Victor Dimukeji. He is on the roster. He's had three and a half sacks so far this season. He's actually done some stuff. So including Sunday, I remember he had one sack in that game, which was very impressive. So uh, he's he's been a, uh, he's done something. You know, I think the biggest problem, you're going to get to my G. Sanders here in a minute, but, you know, they have, they've drafted a bunch of edge rusher guys here and or, you know, added them in a variety of ways, and they all kind of seem to be the same dude. Uh, not very good, uh, rarely impactful, and probably shouldn't be on your roster. And I include Sanders. 
Sixth rounder here, Tay Gowan, not on the roster. Seventh rounder, James Wiggins, not on the roster. Seventh rounder, Michael Manet, not on the roster from 2021. 20. I'll say one thing. I thought Wiggins was going to be a player. He was really a good, really good player at Cincinnati before he got hurt his last year or next to last year, one of those two years. And uh, he looked like he was going to be an impact NFL player. And after the injury situation, they never really did much of anything, college or pro. 2022, no first round pick. So their second round pick, Trey McBride, he's on the roster. Uh, is should he? Let me ask it this way: Should he now be tight end one? He was Sunday. Uh, the most snaps he's had. He had a lot more targets than uh, Zach Ertz. Who, yeah, I think the, the one of our poll questions yesterday is should they trade Zach Ertz? And my answer to that question yesterday was well. He's not doing a whole lot when he's out there, uh, and he's 32 years old, and I don't know what the tight end demand for contending teams is in this league. It seems like most of those teams have a good tight end, so I don't know if there's any trade value for him, but there is zero reason why McBride should not be playing almost all the time from here on out. Third rounder Cameron Thomas on the roster. Same guy. It kind of falls into that you know, edge rusher guy, the same as the other guys. What is the difference between these guys? And quite frankly, are any of them any good? And that leads us to the third rounder. My G Sanders now not on the roster. And he clearly, to your point, this plethora of linebackers here, he was clearly uh, like seven out of seven out of the linebacking group there. So uh, hence his release. Sixth round, Keontae Ingram. He is on the roster. Uh, he he he's certainly had a role. And it, it, I don't know... I don't know how well we can say it's going so far. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's kind of the execution of the plays when he's in. I'm not sure how to assess so far his his start to the year. I don't know how to understand how they assess who's the running back from week to week. Uh, D. Marcato had a good week a couple weeks ago, and the fantasy owners everywhere were upset. We spent a lot of time with John McKechnie two weeks ago talking about he's a waiver wire pickup. And then he gets like two carries against the Rams. Uh, and I know that uh, that was a big fantasy pickup around the world. And that didn't work out. And a fantasy doesn't mean everything. But I don't know how you can figure out who's playing at that position from week to week for the Cardinals without Connor, as I mentioned. Once again, back to the uh, bad roster. I mean, none of those guys are really that good. And I'm not sure if any of those guys deserve to be even running the ball in the NFL in a game right now. Uh, then you have in the sixth round, Lasita Smith. He is not on the roster. Seventh rounder, Christian Matthew, not on the roster. And seventh rounder, Jesse Lucetta, who uh, was uh, trying to make the roster and I believe was put on IR. I think so. I mean, yeah, they made a big deal about him in the preseason when he was a fullback in that game against, ten, against Minnesota. That was like supposed to be kind of a something to get him over the top he's a multi-position guy and just kind of been a special teams guy mostly uh which is you know better than a lot of these other guys because some of these guys we just talked about can't even play special teams so in all this is eight players remaining from your 2020 2021 and 2022 drafts i think for me what i take away from this is i see now why we're here where we're at today and we have to be patient with the new group yeah. in order to get well, not, what they want molded in 
Right. Between the fact that there's nobody that's any good that was drafted, like hardly anybody that's any good that was drafted the last three years, and then this crew, correctly, uh, the new uh, you know leadership decided to basically start over. That's what they should have done. And uh, this is what uh, is commonly known uh, in uh, certainly more in the NBA and the NFL is tanking the season. And that's what we're witnessing. We went a little long, so if you'd like to join the program, hustle in now. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take your calls quickly on the other side of the break. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. The chaos continues. Don't miss out on the excitement of October baseball. Tickets for postseason at Chase Field are on sale now at dbacks.com slash postseason. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We will have a lightning fast segment here as we make room for poll questions in a little while, but we'll continue with some NFL news. Quarterbacks are the topic of conversation here. Uh, Josh Allen. Roger Roger Goodell is the topic of discussion today, right? Oh, with his contract extension. Yes. Yeah. Three years. Just saw him on on TV here at the owners meetings. He's a happy dude because he's going to get more money for a longer period of time. Yeah, Roger Goodell, three-year extension, so that'll go through March of 2027. Uh, he is, I think I saw, 64, so that puts him in line to be you know, 67, yeah. 68, depending upon when his birthday is. So uh, I, you would have to think that this would be his last contract then. Yeah, I would assume. I mean, I, I just, I'll be real quick here because I know we're up against it, but I don't know if there is a person in sports that's uh, gone through more of a, you know, you know at least a, the image change that he has. And the p- pandemic and uh, the draft in his basement and everything else. Uh, and uh, certainly economically, uh, the league has prospered even more so. But uh, I think that uh, the perception of him, uh, it seems, has changed uh, enormously in the last three or four years. I think I saw something that when he took over as commissioner, there was one NFL team that was valued in the billions, and that was like the commanders. Now you have pretty much every team valued in the billions with teams valued upwards of $9 billion, including a lot of teams with a valuation of like 5.5 billion. So when it comes to the ownership, I think unanimously saying, yes, we want to keep him around. Uh, that yeah. certainly helps why he's still the commissioner. No doubt. And also I just think that he's done a lot of really good things for the league, quite frankly. And I was very critical of him, especially in his first year or two as the commissioner. But, uh, I think he's done okay, and uh, obviously there hasn't been any labor situations or whatever. Uh, it was close that one year, obviously. looked like we weren't going to have the start of the season in whatever year that was, uh, five or six years ago. But uh, I think he's done a good job. I think the next 
hurdle that they are certainly going to have to clear with the NFL and the NFLPA is this conversation that I know is going on right now in the the fall meetings and I'm sure is going to pick up in the offseason too is the debate turf versus grass uh, because uh, we've seen this has been going on for 30 years so uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how it's all going to unfold. And you have the fact that the NFLPA, we know they prefer grass surfaces. They've been clearly advocating for that. Uh, it's also wild if you dive into it, how many different turf options there are. Uh, what is deemed to be the good turf option versus the bad turf option and teams making changes to and fro here in the next couple of years. Uh, the one thing that uh, the NFL VP of Health Health and safety Jeff Miller is on record of saying is that I think the goal needs to limit the number of different surfaces that our clubs play on so a player yeah. has an appreciation when he steps onto the field in one city that's going to feel very similar to the surface that he steps on in a different city so it doesn't feel hard or soft or slick or sticky I think that makes sense but also I think a lot of this has to do with uh the uh, you know, a lot of these facilities are multi-purpose facilities, and uh, not just uh, NFL games going on there. Uh, so I think that that has been uh, I don't know if that's an obstacle is too strong a word, but it's certainly been uh, a stumbling block to some extent. I think obstacle is a fair word because I, I think a lot of the, you know, it's not even just sports related what these multi-purpose stadiums are being used for concerts, uh, all sorts of other types of, of revenue generating events coming Tra- into these stadiums. Tractor pole, tractor poles. Or, yeah. yeah. I have no yeah. idea, but they, they find a way to, to bring it to a stadium That's and it's right. there. And yeah, all, the sta- all the state farm stadium spots we've run over the years. Yeah, all kinds of crazy things. I'll add one other quick thing, though, is it just seems like that when there's an injury to a player on turf, it's a big deal. And when there's an injury to a player on uh, grass surfaces, it seems to be less publicized. That does feel to be the sentiment for sure, uh, at least over the last couple of years in this direction toward turf is is bad grass is good i'm just curious to know somebody who's an agronomist or somebody that knows much more (laughs) about this than i do just okay so if if the sentiment behind it is that grass is better what does that actually mean though when certain stadiums turn um poor weather so grass is harder to grow so what does that mean in terms of the slickness of the grass what does that mean in terms of uh the mud that you might actually be more dealing with than grass so i'm just curious how that all kind of factors in okay well about the only thing i can talk about regarding grass is uh back in the 70s and when i was in high school and college grass was considered to be good for a lot of people Uh, The one other thing of note here that caught my attention so far from the fall meetings has also been the head coaching hiring cycle is changing once again. The owners unanimously voted on this to stop conducting conducting outside interviews with candidates for head coaching openings until after the divisional round of the playoffs. It moved last year to after the wild card. This year it's moving to after the divisional (laughs) round. This pushes it back another week. And the hope is that you get more candidates and more diverse candidates. Yeah. This whole off season calendar thing and this, you know, the coaching calendar, this all remember, 
I'm almost positive this all started with Dave Wanstead when he was a coordinator for Dallas and Jimmy Johnson. And, uh, you know, he got interviewed kind of uh, mysteriously or illegally. I don't remember what the legality was back in those days and when you could interview guys. But it seems like they've been trying to figure this out literally since that was like 1992 or something. Uh, 92, 93, whatever it was. But this has been, that's a long time ago. And it's still just kind of uh, a juggling act seemingly every offseason. I'm actually a little surprised that the owners unanimously did this because if you are a team that is looking for your next head coach, pushing it back one more week pushes the hiring process back, which then pushes back you getting in a coaching staff, figuring out what you're going to do for the draft that is upcoming. Uh, Typically, if you're looking for a new head coach, there is some sort of rebuild process in play. I don't know that one week really makes that much of a difference as I'm like calculating this argument in my head, but I'm just kind of surprised by the unanimous nature of it. I think it's more of an obstacle for the team still in the playoffs whose coaches are interviewing. Yeah, that was certainly, um, you know, how quote unquote focused are they? Uh, But, you know. I think they can focus on the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. But we will get into poll questions on the other side of the break here on The Extra Point. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Time for poll questions here in the Extra Point, KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, it's Wednesday, it's October 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until noon today. So let's get into it, the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. The Arizona Diamondbacks lost last night to the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies now sit uh, atop of the series lead to nothing before it heads here to Chase Field tomorrow. The question, will the D-backs be swept by the Phillies? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes. Um, I just uh, think the next couple of days, the prospects of the pitching matchups, uh, you know, Brandon fought tomorrow. Seems to be not the best matchup. I don't, I'm not to criticize. They don't know their choice at this point that he has to pitch the next game. Uh, but then that would be, uh, you know, what uh, the matchup is fly ball pitcher against the Phillies. Uh, probably not the best matchup. Who knows? I mean, there's been uh, some, you know, fly ball teams that he's faced here recently, including the Dodgers. Uh, and uh, he took care of them. Uh, so hopefully I'm wrong about this. And then game four, it was the Ryan Nelson might be the guy or a bullpen guy. Yeah, Gallon's not pitching till game five, and there may not be a game five. Yeah, so not getting at least one in Philadelphia, to me, put so much pressure here on this game three. And uh, Brandon Fott pitched really well in that Dodgers series Can he do it again here against the Phillies at home? You do have the home crowd behind you. I I think that there is a lot of reason to be, uh, you know, proud of how this team has achieved this season to get to the NLCS. It, It just comes down to, though, 
how strong the Phillies hitters are, how good their pitching has been. Can the pitching for the Diamondbacks match up with that? And when you factor in what we've seen in the regular season, that's such a huge sample size. It's hard to ignore it. Uh, The thing, though, is we have seen this consistently throughout this season with the Diamondbacks, where it seems like they've been knocked down and they get back up. And when you think you're about ready to count them out, they come storming back. So I'm going to say that that happens again and they won't get swept. Yeah, one thing I, I've kind of failed to point out before the series started, and I should be faulted for this, and I'm faulting myself for this, is that uh, the Phillies just destroy right-handed pitchers. And the majority of the Diamondbacks, certainly all their starters uh, at this point, unless they do an opener uh, in Game 4, are right-handed pitchers. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that was uh, should, I should have pointed that out more as a disadvantage before the series even started. There's only three left-handed pitchers on the roster for the Diamondbacks. And none of them are starters unless they're going to open the game, which is a possibility, I guess, for game four after Ryan Nelson's not good performance yesterday. The masses, though, are on the no side of things at 69% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 31%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Flipping it on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, Bob caught up with Dylan Calligan Corley uh, from Happy Valley Insider to talk about Penn State and the matchup in Columbus. So what happens Saturday in Columbus? Who wins, Penn State or Ohio State? To me... It's really hard. Until James Franklin and Penn State win one of these games, it's hard to pick them. James Franklin is 1-8 going up against Ohio State. He's never won a game in Columbus. I I think, though, that Penn State has the better team. I, I think that they have a really good defense. I think that they have the much better rushing attack. I think that they do have a really solid quarterback in Drew Aller. I don't know that Aller, though, has been tested uh, to the level that maybe McCord has uh, with a a trip to Notre Dame. So maybe that is advantage McCord in in that particular type of matchup with these young quarterbacks. Uh, Ohio State's defense is improved from a year ago, so that does really help. It helps being at home, obviously. All of this that I'm saying, until the moment happens uh, where where James Franklin is able to take his teams from being good to elite, winning one of these types of games, I have to go with Ohio State. Okay, one of these games I'm not going to bet on uh, as far as the side goes. I, I'm you know, planning to bet on the total under, even though I'm concerned. Uh, that there's going to be a defensive touchdown from one of these defenses because I think both defenses have, a, I think, possibly a massive advantage against the opposing offenses in these games. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Even, McCord, even though McCord has not thrown an interception now in his last five games with 11 touchdowns. Uh, but you know, as far as Aller goes, he's had two road starts at Illinois. Eh, kind of a ruckus uh, building there, but at Northwestern, which is like the deadest atmosphere in college football for a home crowd. And he's completed 51% of his passes in the two road games. Small sample size, I know, and all that. But uh, So there's that. But uh, uh, I just don't think Ohio State's very good. Uh, I think that they were lucky to beat Notre Dame. Pains me to say all this. And then I have no idea how to try to you know, basically – 
dissect the Ohio State injury situation. Henderson didn't play last. He actually played the last two weeks. Mayan Williams, their second running back, didn't play last week. Chip Trainum, their third running back, left leg game with a concussion. If it's the NFL, we would just assume that a guy that had a concussion one week's not playing the next week because I'm pretty sure there hasn't been one player in the NFL this year that's had a concussion one week and played the next week. Also, their best defensive player, or at least their best defensive back, Denzel Burke from Saguaro High School here in Scottsdale. He was injured last week against Purdue. Now, Ohio State does release an injury report like 90 minutes before game time, but they don't do a day-to-day thing. And uh, Ryan Day was asked about the injury situation yesterday, and as the case for almost every college coach, he didn't deliver any information on what the status of any of these guys would be for Saturday. Plus, at Buka, he got hurt two weeks ago. Uh, knee injury, didn't play last week against Purdue, and we don't know if he's playing. The masses completely undecided in a 50-50 split here uh, between Penn State and Ohio State. Should be a good one. 9 a.m. kickoff, though. That's true. I like those 9 a.m. games our time. Uh, I'm guessing that Ohio State would prefer this were not a 12 noon start in Columbus. Ryan Day spent a large part of his press conference yesterday urging the people to get there early. And uh, he didn't necessarily do it. He didn't do the Mark Stoops thing for a couple of weeks ago and just told people to get liquored up in Lexington for the noon start. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess it might have been exactly his term a couple of weeks ago. Pretty close to that. If he didn't say those words, he inferred it. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Day, this was a, yeah, I watched the press conference yesterday and he brought this up twice. He was asked about the start time and then like five minutes later, he brought it up again. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big place to fill. I think they'll be able to do it. No, there'll be plenty of people there, but, uh, yeah, whether they've had some, they, well, the last time I remember Ohio State playing Penn State, because there was the COVID year and so forth, uh, but, uh, last time they played them in Columbus, uh, well, not the next to last time, but they played him in like two, when Barkley was still for Penn State. Barkley ran the opening kickoff back for the touchdown. Penn State had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. Ohio State scored like 18 straight points, and Barrett literally was like 17 for 18 in the game. And that was a night game, and people were out of their minds. Uh, I don't think they'll be out of their minds at noon tomorrow in Columbus, or Saturday, excuse me, in Columbus. Wrapping this up on the other side of the break this uh, Wednesday, October 18th edition of The Extra Point. One more to go. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. October 18th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Follow along online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Be sure you're downloading the app today. Register, that's a key component, and follow along with the listener rewards instructions to get yourself eligible for a $100 gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports. But it's that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. 
As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. And also our guest today, Penn State, Ohio State preview with Dylan Callahan Crowley or Crowley. Crowley. I got this right. I got it, at least I got it right when we had him on. Crowley of Happy Valley Insider. Also, uh, sound of the day courtesy of TBS, Peacock, CBS, Fox, and I just lost my place again. Here we go. Uh, also, TEX 105.3, that's the uh, flagship station of the Rangers. And then uh, for the Dodgers highlight, uh, with the Dave Roberts news yesterday about him returning, we used the, the end of the Diamondback series with the sweep. That was LAD 570. Special thanks, uh, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports U with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. Major League Baseball playoffs continue with the ALCS tonight. It's the Astros and the Rangers. Christian Javier versus Max Scherzer, 5.03 p.m. on FS1. The ALCS Game 1 saw 7.226 million viewers across all Fox platforms. Those happen to be the best numbers since Game 1 of the NLCS in 2015 that took place between the Cubs and the Mets. That had 7.89 million viewers. If you want to go back even further than that to the best comparison to the ALCS, that goes back to 2010 with the Rangers and the Yankees at 8.11 million. It certainly was a lead-in that maybe helped with football, also being on Fox itself. Also helped that the football game sucked. Uh, The opposite, uh, the Bills and the Giants... uh, Anybody that watched that game had to be a family member or the hardest core fan of the Bills and Giants of all time. Updates from around the NFL for quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson is set to have season-ending surgery on his shoulder, so his rookie campaign is finished. Uh, Last I saw, Jimmy Garoppolo was not set to practice today. Also doesn't look good for him to be available for this weekend with his back injury. Yeah, I read a thing in the Las Vegas Review Journal online yesterday. uh, I would be surprised if he plays anytime soon. Also, Josh Allen, uh, he was a participant in practice today, and he spoke with the media, and he said, no concern, we'll be ready to go for this Sunday against the Patriots. Uh, Unbeknownst to us, he finished the game, obviously, but he did have some imaging there on his shoulder after the game. Yeah, I was just going to say I didn't know he was hurt. So, I'm that news to me. He took he took a bit he took a couple of shots. Uh, no, that's for sure. He did. As always, we appreciate you listening to us right here on KDOS AM 1060. Looking forward to getting back with you tomorrow. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp kicks things start, kicks things off at 9 a.m. in the extra point right here from uh, 10 to noon. We'll certainly be recapping what took place in the ALCS and getting ourselves ready for Game 3 in the NLCS as the Diamondbacks are hosting the Phillies. Remember, it is an afternoon game on Thursday, a 2.07 p.m. start, so we'll certainly be previewing that as well. Have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.